Well, as you can see, we're back. Uh, these are some pictures here. Of, I think most of you guys are on the same page. Uh, Jenny, for those who don't, Jenny, my wife, started several months ago, about four or five months ago, a uh, goal to collect 2,000 pairs of shoes for an organization called Souls for Souls out of Nashville that uh, sends you shoes, half of what they send out. They literally do millions of shoes a year, but half go around the, uh, the country and the other half go around the world to help people in need. And uh, long story short, God blessed it. People jumped in and ended up collecting 5,200 pairs of shoes, just a little bit over 5,200. And, uh, and again, I, you, you know, I, I believe in the scripture that says, honor those who deserve to be honored. And I honor my wife today. She, she, I remember being at the house the first day, and she's like, you know, for my birthday, I just feel this. And like, well, it always starts with a whisper, you know. And so when you follow through with what God did, and then, the, as you know, the challenge became... Crap, how do we get 5,200 pairs of shoes to Nashville? And um, again, with very little, I don't think we asked anybody for any financial help. And four families from around the community stepped in and gave us $800 towards transportation. And then uh, after a couple of things fell through, her cousin Mark uh, stepped in and said, you know, I've got this 20-foot or 22-foot, whatever it is, uh, trailer. And, uh, you know, if you, if you guys load it up, I'll drive it down. And so that guy got started at 8 o'clock Thursday night and met us down there. He got, I think he got there at 5 a.m. and dropped our trailer, and we got it unloaded. So that's what we were doing uh, Friday morning. So, you know, just some, some pics from the trip. But, but I really want to just kind of, I, I want to just thank everybody who was there through prayer, through donations, through showing up for the pairing uh, parties when we were connecting, like putting the shoes together and counting, uh, to loading the truck, everybody who could be part of it and chose to be part of it, just thank you because it's a huge. You're, you're part of that testimony, and we appreciate you being part of that. And at this point, it's just a matter. Of these guys now take them and send them out to where the world works are done, and uh, you know we won't know what God does with that till we get home. So we're back. We're settled. I'm a little crazy, crazy in the head through everything. So if I get the rambling today, it's a normal Sunday. That's right. It's just normal. It's okay. It's all good. It all come together. So. Uh, but here's what we're going to be talking about. We'll go to the next slide. Uh, today's uh, Do I Judge Judy or others as, as, you know, as, as well? How, how does that work? And <clears throat> I want to talk to you today about judging. I want to dig into the scripture on it. But before we do, I just want to acknowledge that I know a lot of us here, or a lot of people that we know, or a lot of people within the community that we're working with in our mission fields, I just want to acknowledge the fact that a lot of us have been hurt before whether it be by other Christians, or whether it be by a church, or whatever the case may be. Now, realistically, that's going to happen in any group where there's a community, whether or not you're a motorcycle club, or 4-H, or anything else. But there's just something about special hope that when it's in the church, and you're seeking God, and you're trying to pull things together, when someone judges you because of your looks, or because of maybe a belief that you have that's a little different than this, that's in a disputable matter, and not just you know, black and white in the scripture, or uh, maybe because of mistakes that you made, there's just a, a real pain in that, and I understand that personally, and I understand that with those that we, we work with. Again, the, the fellowship started out of the store, by, from our viewpoint, by accident, because people were using the store's Bible studies as a church experience because they, so, some had been hurt before and they weren't ready to go into any place that had a steeple on it. And so God just kind of continued to work with that. So I understand that that's there. Now, within that being said, what we're looking at today is not about others judging us. We're going to be talking about us judging others. But I do want to just acknowledge up front because, again, even though the focus is a little bit different, there's two things. One, you have every right to process that hurt. But I hope and pray that God helps you and me to continue to process those things in such a way 
that we realize that God's people and God are different and that some people do make mistakes and that he doesn't rob Christian community from us and the beauty that's within Christian community because of some of the downsides that come with Christian community. Does that make sense? So I know that a lot of people can really be put in the bonds. Of that. And the second thing I want to make sure is that we don't move from being judged to judging others by saying, well, there's just a bunch of hypocritical Christians and I don't want anything to do with them. You know, so we can kind of, quite frankly, become hypocrites ourselves by judging those who are judging us. It really is messy. And then when you look at it from the standpoint of all the different avenues of judging and discernment, what's healthy and what's not, it's a big topic we're tackling today. But before we do, if you've been hurt by church or Christians before, as one of their brothers, I'm sorry. And I understand, like I said, I understand that hurt. When my first wife left me, I needed the church. The church was not there. It was quite the opposite. But God was there. And God is here for you today. And before we move into anything else, I just want to take a few minutes and pray over you. And just let the Spirit tend to that before we get into some of this other stuff. Does that make sense? So pray with me, will you? Heavenly Father, as we come today, again, some of us have been blessed with just great experiences and have seen the fullness of what your heart is for your community, that you call into unity, that you call into love, that you call into truth. But for many of us, Father, we've had experiences in the past maybe a couple weeks ago, maybe when we were kids, maybe just stories of what we heard have happened to our parents, whatever the case may be, that have caused some deep-rooted pain that maybe we even have healed from, and we're still a Christian community, but there's still that scar there, Father. Whatever the case may be, if there's anything here that you just need to attend to today, if there's any place where you need to pull out a weed, if there's any place that you just need to water in some compassion and some love and to, to one of us, Father, I just pray that your spirit moves during this time to do just that. That it's really easy to put up a wall when we start looking at ourselves and how we judge others. It's really easy to put up a wall and not even get to asking ourselves those hard questions or to look at how we do things because we're still focused on what others have done to us. Help us to get past that, Father, by you tending to it, not just by ignoring it, but you covering it with your blood, you filling our hearts with a fresh anointing of your love and sensing you here so that we can trust you to guide us through the rest. Father, we pray these things according to your will, according to your name, according to your mercy and your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Do me a favor, let's go ahead and get our Bibles out. We're going to Matthew chapter 7 as we continue through this uh, series. Matthew chapter 7. Uh, again, you can use your version If you uh, use version app on your iPhone or your uh, pad or whatever the case would be, or your Bibles, and again, there's always Bibles in the back by the front door that you can keep borrowed still, whatever you'd like to do. Get us all on the same standpoint. And this should be fun because with all the driving, I forgot my reading glasses. So you make sure that what I'm saying matches up to what you're seeing. So it might get a little crazy out there. But we're just going to kind of dig into this as, as uh, Jesus continues to talk. Now, him getting to talking about judging is not as out of whack as it might seem in the pattern we've been going through. Like when we went through six, uh, we, we talked about three things that Jesus shared with us that we can tap into for freedom, for peace, for power, by talking about generosity, taking care of others, and uh, prayer, by being able to talk to God, that God's a massive God, but he's still mindful of you and me as in an intimate way. He wants to hear from us. And through fasting, that we can take and, you know, shut off some of the things of the world, some of the distractions, just focus on Him and draw into that. And then He shifted a couple of weeks ago by talking about things that take us away from that. And He talked about money, when we have money in an improper place, 
uh, how, how we focus on money, and stress and anxiety. Now today, it's moving into not as much how we can get pulled away from God, even though it does, but also how we can pull others away or push people away through improper judgment and the way that those things fall into place. So it's kind of, I, I heard a phrase this week, it kind of went along with this, where it says if Satan can't destroy our witness by making us, uh, you know, just kind of flatline through stress and money and whatnot, that he would destroy our witness by making us fanatical, by pushing people away, by taking it, going over the top through judging. So that's kind of what we're getting into. And I just, I'll read this, and we're going to be at a few different places today. But I just want to break us apart a little bit and see what you find. Verse 1 starts out by saying, Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. Let me try this again. Yep. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Now, if you read this just kind of casually, it's kind of easy to find, quite frankly, maybe a contradiction. You know, if you look at the first part of the verse, it just starts out with what? Judge not. You know, okay, I'm not going to judge. I'm not supposed to judge anybody. That's great. I'm okay. You're okay. Judge not. But then the last verse gets into like this weird metaphor type language, which says basically, don't take the things that are holy. Don't take the things that are pearls. Don't take the word of God and throw it to the, the, the dogs and to the pigs. Or else they'll just trample on feet and then they'll turn to attack you. And you might think, okay, that sounds kind of weird. But think about it. If we use, if I use this kind of language with you. If you came to me about something, and you're like, hey, I'm going through this struggle. Um, just as my pastor, as my buddy, do you have any words of advice? Do you have any scripture that we can dig into together? And I said, well, I do. But I see you as a dog. <laughs> kind of a pig-like, you know? So I don't really want to take my time and give you the scriptures because you're just going to, like, mess it up, and then you're going to attack me anyways. So I think I'm just going to stay out. You'd be like, that guy's a joke, right? You know, it's like, but, but what it's saying here is there's this kind of weird... A mix with Jesus saying, don't judge, but somehow we've got to reconcile that there's dogs and there's pigs and there's pearls and you give and you don't. And, they and it's like, well, that sounds like you're telling me to judge people. You know, and the, the harshest of language, you're telling me to judge people. And then when you get to thinking about it, you start going, I kind of get what he says. Because maybe there was times in my life where I was the dog or the pig. And whatever anybody tried to do to reach out to me, I just didn't want anything to do with it. And actually, I just got so annoyed with them, I started pushing them away. Or maybe, uh, God forbid, you ever went into a discussion on an internet site about the Lord. And you go, oh, I kind of know who that person is that takes, you know, what you throw out that you think is holy, and they trash it and attack it. So I kind of see where he's at. But, but how does that work as far as judging people but not judging people? And what I want to suggest to us as we get started today is that there's actually two different ways that we can look at judging. And one is actually proper, a little painful sometimes, but leads us to the Lord, and the other one is absolutely forbidden, absolutely destructive, absolutely kills people. 
if we start out by looking at that first part where it says judge not, and a lot of people who don't like judging, maybe because you've been hooked by judging again, you get real passionate about this, they immediately are just like, there it goes, judge not, it's done, he doesn't have to say anything else. But the problem is, is when we look at this verse, it doesn't have judge not, period, or judge not, explanation point. It has what? Judge not, comma, right? And I, 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 you, you'll never guess this from my spelling because I hate details, I'm lousy with details and all that kind of stuff, uh, so my spelling, whatever, but I love English. I love stories, I love concepts, I like ideas, I, I just get to a passion. To the point at, when you, in the mid-80s, because that's how old I am, in the mid-80s, we had a lot more options than the kids do now. And we had all these electives. So in high school, my four years of high school, not five, don't get cocky on me, four, four years of high school, I did 13 English classes in four years because I hated study hall. And English was just easy. I just, I liked it. I really enjoyed it. And out of all the things I have, even though I can't, you know, take and spell anything for a lick, I do know that when you do judge not period, then it's done. If you do judge not explanation point, it's done. But when you do judge not comma, it means this thought's not complete yet. And so he goes into talking about the type of judging that he's talking about. And basically the type of judging he's talking about, if you were seeking the Lord, is the type of judgment that might have hurt you in the past. Now, there is a proper judgment that if you're taking a fight with God, might have hurt you and that they weren't wrong. But if you're seeking God and they hurt you, it's probably condemnation, hypocrisy, looking down upon you. You know, all the things that he's talking about here, that if you judge somebody else in a hypocritical way, looking down on people and treating people like crap, when you're not in no place to be doing it, if you're looking to get that speck out of their eye, when you've got a log in your eye, then there's a challenge. And when you judge like that, guess how you get judged back? The exact same way. And that's a dangerous place. I don't want to put myself for God. Let alone you guys. You know what I mean? And we've all heard it growing up. It's like, man, I just don't want to go to that church because I see all those guys that party on Saturday night and then Sunday they, you know, trying to get their gold star for the week by showing up at church. Or you li they live like the world all week long in their marriages and their jobs and everything else. But on Sunday, they just come off holier than now and they're talking about how the way I'm living. We know what we're talking about here, right? Now, there's an element that he says, once you remove the log, then you can see clearly to help your brother with the speck. So there has to be something within this that we're supposed to judge rightly and help each other too. You know what I mean? Like if I look at judgment from the standpoint of the Greek word for, uh, for judgment, it means to discern. And we're definitely called to discern. If I look at that word, it means to separate or distinguish. We're definitely called to do those things as well. So the question becomes, how does that work? I mean, clearly I'm not just supposed to be some joke that's uh, hypocritical that's trashing on you. And the funny part is a lot of times we do it and we feel a lot better about it than that. Man, gossip is ugly. Gossip's ugly. Gossip is, is judging why everybody's thinking and joining in or either just as ugly as you are in that moment or everybody's listening to you is going, how do I get away from this person because it's just ugly, you know? We just, we play these games and he just wants it to be so much more. We'll spur each other on in holiness. We're to spur each other on towards the Lord. How does that work? How do we have those tough conversations without being jokes? Let's dig into that a little bit. I'm going to give you a few of your Nate takers. Again, if you've got your version, you can type them in or you can write them out. And I just want to talk to you about a few things here that I was looking at scripturally and see what jumps out to you. If we were to judge properly, first thing we want to do is not judge by our opinions. If you're writing those down. If you want to judge properly, if you want to support each other, then I have no business judging you or you judging me by our opinions. 
If you get into Romans uh, chapter 14, verse 4, Paul writes, Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls. You are not my servant, and I am not yours. We are co-servants for one master. Amen? So according to what Paul's telling me here is that we don't judge each other by what I want you to be. I don't judge you by what I want to happen. I don't judge you for my standards of my culture when I was growing up. I don't judge you in any way, shape, or form by any of those. I judge you by what the master judges us by. And he is the one that gives us the guidelines. And it's very cautious. Be very cautious on this because the Bible is very black and white on many things. And if you were taking and going around spreading the message that, oh, you don't need to accept Jesus as leader for giving your life. Everybody gets to heaven in the end. Well, you and I have something to talk about in love. If you say, well, it's okay if I sleep around on my wife because she knows about it and it's fine. Well, you know what? Let's have a chat. Right? Right? But there's a lot of things that are what's called disputable matters that are not black and white in God's word. And he brings us to discernment. And he brings us to judge those. And sometimes you and I might be on some different opinions on some things, on how things play out. And you and I can have a great conversation on that. But I'm not going to trash you for it. I, I, I've uh, had some, some friends, just, just even recently, it just seemed like every conversation you had, that, that they, they had kind of a different view on, like, let's say a disputable matter. Um, and maybe you don't think this is disputable, so let's see how many people walk out. Um, let's say um, there was a movie out not too long ago called uh, Warm Bodies. It was a comedy. It wasn't overly gross, but it had a zo- zombies in it. And so you, you're like, okay, so there's nothing in this dishonoring God. And then the other person's like, well, no, it's zombies. It's disgusting. I don't want anything to do with that. That doesn't please God, and so I want to stay away from it. Um, there's not a scripture in here that says stay away from zombie movies, so we have to use some discernment, Okay. <laughs> Now, when we have that conversation, the hope is we can have a good conversation. We're all both challenged by a little bit. We'll both pray about it a little bit. We recycle things. And if we have a good conscience for the Lord, we move forward. And we're all the better for having the conversation in love. Amen? It's another when you get mad at the other person don't want anything to do with them. And it's still another if they say, I understand we have a difference. But when you get to be more spiritually mature like me, you'll understand. <laughs> You got to be careful of what, what we do. I mean, judgment's not just us taking and standing up on a rock, throwing stones at each other. It's, it's cautious. I don't judge by that. I'm going to judge by the Lord's standards. You're going to judge by the Lord's standards, and that's where our conversations need to be because you and I have all kinds of differences, but we have one God. One God. And you might think, well, gosh, you know, some of the stuff I'm doing, I really don't want to be judged by God's standards because right now I'm really not in a good place. Well, the voice continues by saying, if that person, if we're judged by standards and by the servants, he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. You can get there. You can get there. I'm not going to judge you by opinions, and we're not going to treat each other by opinions, but when it comes to the word of the Lord, we can encourage each other. We can discern that somebody's struggling. We can have a healthy conversation with it. And if we're both seeking the Lord, somebody's going to grow. Someone's going to be able to stand stronger than what they did before. Does that make sense? So we have to make sure, because some of the conversations that come to us, I know, if you're anything, I mean... I get tons of conversations of just personal dislikes and are not the Lord. We can talk about them, but we're not going to judge each other off of them. Amen? So, don't judge by your opinion, but do judge by the word of the Lord. Number two, don't judge by appearance. Don't judge by appearance. I'm seeing how many people are writing stuff down. Not enough. Don't judge by appearance, but do judge by the heart. And I know a lot of times our first thought is going to be, okay, I don't want to judge people by appearance because I look like to dress a little bit nicer than that person. 
you know, does, that takes in, they come from a culture that, you know, genes and a, uh, show it's so good and they don't take and go to have the same kind of job I do and doesn't seem like they have a lot of money and they drive a car that's pretty beat up, that's broken down each week and they are on welfare and they should just go get another job. We don't judge by appearance. We don't do that. That's not what God looks at in any way, shape, or form. But at the same standpoint, we don't go the other way. Be very cautious of judging people because they look down here, but also be cautious about judging people and putting them up here because of the way they look. Just because a guy is a preacher that has a nice suit and he has a TV show and a nice car does not mean, wow, God must really be so pleased with him he gave him a, a TV show. No, the network gave him a TV show because he had a bunch of money and he could pay for the production and the cameras. So we still have to hold, whether it's me or somebody on TV or somebody anyplace else, we always have to look at the heart. We have to always constantly be coming back. It comes to mind when uh, Samuel went to David's house. You remember the, the story? And he was anointing a new king, and God said, I want you to go to this house. This this guy's son. He's got one of the kings over here. So he said, okay. So he went in, and all the boys were there except for David, because dad thought, there's no way, it's David. So he's out taking sheep. And he's looking at him, and he comes across one. I think his name was Elam. And he thinks in his head, this is the guy. This is like Russell Crowe, man. He's just got, you got the look. He's got, I mean, this got to be the guy. He's big, he's tall, he's going to strike fear. And according to the scripture, 1 Samuel 16, verse 7, God says to him, don't look on his appearance, or the height of his stature, because I've rejected him. For the Lord does not see as a man sees. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord, he looks on his heart. We always look at the heart. And the same thing comes to those doctrine issues that we were talking about. Sometimes things might not look the way that we think that they should look, but that doesn't mean that it's wrong. Jesus, at one point, he was dealing with uh, some, some Jewish population. He was in the synagogue teaching, and some of them came because they were annoyed at him. Because by appearance, he did something wrong. He had healed a guy on the Sabbath, and they, they were pretty lit about this. And he, he was teaching in the synagogue, and they came to, to talk to him, and they're like, wow, this guy, for an unlearned guy, you know, they're just, again, kind of marveled by him. But as he's talking in the teaching and taking challenging their opinion of what they saw it happen, they saw getting upset, and they're like, man, you got a demon in you. That's messed up. That's wrong. And he reached out to him and said, no, that's not the case at all. You're judging by man's standards. You're not judging by my father's standards. And he almost repeats the word for word. Verse 24, John 7. Do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. We don't judge by the heart. I mean by, by appearance, but we do judge people's hearts. We're called to discern. And look, now also notice so far, we've been talking about people of faith and not people outside. That make sense? We're going to talk about that a little bit more. Number three, don't be hypocritical. Don't, don't come yelling at me for what I've done wrong if you're out there doing the same thing. You know, if, it's, if you go down the street, let's say you go downtown and you decide you're going to do some outreach. And you find a guy that's down there that's definitely pretty messed up. He's drunk. He smells drunk. He's stumbling all over the place. Don't walk up to that boy and take and say, you need to repent. When you're walking down arm and arm with a hooker you just paid $30 for as you're going on your car. You know, basically what he's saying is don't, don't take and be hypocritical. And it continues in Romans 2, 1 through 3. Again, all these are on the U version, but if you want these uh, later, let me know. I'll email you the scriptures. Paul's talking to him and says, You have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges. For in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself, because you, the judge, practice the very same things. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. So you suppose, O man... You who judge those who practice such things and yet do them yourselves, that you will escape the judgment of God yourself. Don't be hypocritical. Seek your heart first and your motives first before you go and have the tough conversation. Number four, don't judge outside the church. 
I want to explain this one a little bit because this could raise some eyebrows. Chris is going to put up our scripture for you, 1 Corinthians 5, 12a and 13a. Paul's talking to the church there and he says, For what have I to do with judging outsiders? God judges those outside. This is the one I want to spend some time on because we could take this wrong. We could take it into funky places. When I am dealing with people, somebody that doesn't know the Lord, maybe been, again, hurt by church or by Christopher, don't want anything to do with the Lord, anything out of nature, I can't hold them to the same standards that we hold ourselves within the body. They don't have the Holy Spirit. They don't have the word of truth. Now, it's also not like, okay, I got to get you saved so then I can beat you up like five minutes after the prayer with everything that you're doing wrong. But I am aware that it takes the Holy Spirit to convict. It takes the Holy Spirit to lead them to the Lord. And then through that, through that process, we continue the Great Commission by leading them to the Lord, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and then teach each other to bear everything that God has called us to. Let me put it this way. I, I, there's a... And, uh, and Nikki, I never did ask you, did you go to the Waldo pub last night? Is that what you were saying? Yeah, GNR. GNR. He said my favorite bar in Waldo. I was trying to figure out what I was doing. Favorite Tavern. Tavern. Sure. That sounds much better. Don't judge Mickey. Yes. Yes. Don't, don't judge Mickey. Because it was my favorite. Yeah, I know. Just for the record. <laughs> Lord help me, 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 Lord help me. This is for the record. If there's a favorite bar, tavern, pub, it's actually the water one on the other side of town. That, that's okay. But, and the reason I go to that pub, I usually go there once or twice a week for lunch, not so much in the evenings, is because I, I like the rapport that I'm building with the waitress. I like the rapport that I'm building with the cook, teapot, and the people that, that are there. And plus, it's good food. But, um, if I'm there, I know there's a real good shot that I'm going to hear some colorful language from the other people at the other tables and that type of thing. And um, so I don't, you know, take Emily, or, you know, those type of things. But I don't take and sit there taking, okay, I'm going to talk to God about you. What's your name? Mm-hmm. I'm going to talk to him about you. Now, if we were having a potluck here at church and Mike was talking like that, we might have a different conversation, right? Again. But, <laughs> okay, man. but the thing that I found is by taking a focusing on the gospel message of Jesus Christ, by focusing on being a good witness in my words and my action there, that I'm at a point that the waitress came up to me uh, right before we left Thursday. We had lunch there. And she came up and said, hey, I saw I got a friend request from you on Facebook, but before I accept it, I just want to let you know, I use a lot of language on my Facebook page. And she goes, I really respect you and your wife. And I, I don't want you to be offended. And I said, you, you know, very little offends me. And if it does, I know how to use the hide button. You're fine. You're fine. She's like, okay, I just didn't want to affect. But what that says to me is that we have made some steps together. So by not judging in the way that they have been judged before. So we have to kind of be watching this of how we handle people outside of the faith. Now, if we expand this scripture, we go to the next one that you have there, Chris, that same verse. It does have more in it. It says, for what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside, purge the evil person from among you. Now it gets tougher because the don't is not judging them, but the do is judging ourselves as a community. And now it starts getting a little hot under the collar. Because here's basically what I've been trying to hint at this entire time. If I'm judging properly, I'm not beating up people outside the faith or taking and beating up people for every little thing that they do. 
But I am here to spur you in holiness and asking you to do the same with myself and my marriage and my family by saying, I see your concern. I love you enough to see that you're not getting God's best. And can we talk about that? And that is what I'm talking about, is if you've gotten hurt and you're not following the Lord, then maybe you are the one that got yourself hurt instead of the person that cared enough about you to say something tough. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? You know, I, I, I've come to the point, I'm pretty comfortable with the fact that if I'm off base, I've got people in my life that are more than ready to smack me upside the head. But if I'm not, and we're having a tough conversation, if you're willing to submit to the Lord, I'm your pastor and I love you and you're so cool that you took and reached out to me and everything else. And then next month when you don't want to submit to you, you're like, you're a jerk. <laughs> yeah, it happens. If I have a clean conscience for the Lord that I love you and I'm reaching out to you in truth and vice versa. Does that make sense? We ought to reach out to one another and it does get tough. If you look into Matthew 18, it talks about the process of somebody sins against you. And it's a good model for other things too, but biblically it's when someone sins against you. Do you know this model? Someone sins against you, you go and talk to them as a brother or sister, and you talk and hopefully you gain your brother or your sister back. If they, come, if they don't, then you take two or three others with you and reach out to them again in love and in truth. It can't be without one or the other. It's got to be 100% of both. And then if they still reject, then you take it to the church and the church addresses it. And then if that doesn't work out, guess what happens? You move them from the fellowship and you treat them like a pagan, which sounds horrible. I don't just call them a dog or a pig, but you know what? With pagans, we want them back, and we want them in the name of the Lord. We pray all over them, and we have the doors open for any time that there could be unity and reconciliation. But we do care enough about you to make it a big deal so that you look to the Lord instead of yourself. And it gets really messy. It gets really hard. And it gets really hurtful. You know, when we started church, like I told you about, it was because people have been hurt by church before. People have been hurt by Christians before. And we just, we were that church. We give it a second chance. And we're a community that loves you and everything else. And then three years into it, we had our first major situation. Where a lady within the church was not focused on where God wanted to be. She got some influence over her husband. They got some influence over another 10 or 12 people. Next thing you know, it's tons of hard meetings. People screaming at you. And they're having secret meetings on Burger King on Thursday night about how to get the pastor fired. And they write a letter that they're going to read from the stage without anybody's knowledge, asking for me to be fired because I'm ruining the church, which turns into another me. People I love, people who love me, that things just got off track. And when that fell apart, and thankfully, I just want to let you know there's been a lot of reconciliation in that, that, that situation. That's been six years ago. A lot of restored relationships. That, that, that's, what, that's what it's all about is restoration, still moving frustration. But when those people left, and they were hurt, and the people left were hurt, and there was a lot of pain all the way around. Somebody who, who was here at the church said to me, I'm struggling because we said we were the church over the people that have been hurt by church before, and now there's people leaving our church hurt. How do you rectify that? And you're thinking through the whole thing going, you know, we did, we, we truly believe there's some mistakes that were made, but overall we truly were following the scripture. We truly had a heart, we truly love. How do you rectify that? And it's because... Righteous judgment sometimes still hurts if people aren't ready to take and follow the Lord together. It happens. I cannot promise you that you won't be hurt by me sometime. I can't promise you if I'm off base, I'll hear it. I can't promise you that if I'm not off base, I'll still love you. But it's always going to be an honesty and truth. That's what a church does. You might say, well, doesn't that hurt a witness of a church if, you know, there's people upset and there's people taking and judging each other and everything else? I tell you, there'll be some pain, there'll be some talk but nowhere near as much 
as if there's sin in the house and we act like everything's fine because we're trying to make everybody happy so that we can pay the bills and that we can look like we're big. There is a righteous judgment. We just can't keep going back to this other stuff. Look, if you would, go ahead and forget about Matthew there for a second. Go over to Luke chapter 7. I want to give you an example. That, that First Corinthians 1 was one of those issues. There was a big issue. There was a guy in their church that Paul was addressing who was uh, having um, relations with his, his father's wife and that the church was just kind of dealing with it. They, not, not like dealing with it, but just kind of letting it go on and they were fine with it. And that's a Matthew 8, 18 situation. Those are big situations. Prayfully, they don't come often. Prayfully, we all self-correct so it doesn't have to come uncomfortable for the pastor to talk to you or that you guys have to talk to me. But usually it comes back around. So I wanted to give you a little bit of an easier uh, one, maybe a lighter one that dealt with Jesus. In Luke chapter 7, in verse 36, it starts the story by saying this, One of the Pharisees asked him, Jesus, to come and eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house, and he took his place at the table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was at, reclining at the table at the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them, with the hair of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, This man were a prophet, he would have known uh, who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. Now if you haven't caught it, we have two judgments that this guy's making. First one's obvious, it's the, the woman, she's a sinner. You know, they, she's probably known around town. She doesn't look like the, the, the Pharisees' guests and those type of things. But he's also making a, a judgment about Jesus. If this guy truly was a Christian, it's basically how we would phrase it, he would never be associating with her. If this guy truly knew, he would know that she was a sinner and that she doesn't belong here. Next verse, it says, Jesus answered him. Notice that the guy said it to himself, but Jesus answered him, saying, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, Say it, teacher. And you notice he didn't just jump out and say, hey, um, you're really being a jerk, dude. You're, you're a broad of vipers. I mean, he, he said that before to the really hard-hearted, but here, here he's calling out and saying, I have something to say to you. Okay, teacher, say it. He says, this parable, boy says, a certain money lender had two debtors, one who owed him 500 denarii and uh, the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. I have refocused you and you now are starting to get there. Now you have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. He didn't pull any punches. He didn't have to be a big joke about it, but he didn't pull any punches. Yeah, she is a sinner. But look at her being repentant. I love that. You're kind of the jerk. <laughs> you know, he doesn't say it. But he's like, you're the one that has the struggle here. 
And it says right after that, those who were at the table with him began to say amongst themselves, who's this that can even forgive sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you, go in peace. Who was discerned and drew closer to the Lord, which ones continued to pull away? Hypocritical judgment, demeaning judgment, there's no place for it. No matter how you handle it. No matter how you dress it up to make it sound Christianese. Whenever you take and judge things because this is the way I think things should be done, instead of this is what the scripture says, you're off base and you'd probably be better off not saying anything even to yourself because Jesus might hear it and address it. I tell you, this guy was sitting there in front of all his friends at his house feeling either irked or embarrassed. Just don't put yourself in that position. Judge rightly. Discern rightly. And then follow the Spirit. Reach out to each other in love. Reach out to each other in love. And then he always pulls us closer to him. Always. So are we to judge each other outside the church? No. Love them, have your heart broken, and reach out to them. But within the church, look to the Lord first, bring 100% truth, 100% love, and now we've got something. If you're going to t- think and you're going to talk to somebody about something that you've got to concerned with, do, do a f- few things here that, that I encourage you to do. One is to get into the Word and make sure you're right. Make sure you have a position that is godly and not your own. Or get outside counsel if you need be. You know, somebody that uh, maybe a mentor or somebody that you, that you trust to get into the world with. And then pray. And then pray and pray and pray. Pray for the heart of love for those outside the church and then pray for b- the love for your brothers and sisters. If you're going annoyed, you probably ought to make a step back. Pray. Have the right heart. Pray for discernment. Make sure that what you're talking about, if it's a disputable matter, that you treat it like a disputable matter. It doesn't mean you don't have anything to say. You just aren't saying the gospel to him if it's not the gospel. Amen? Make sure that you have wisdom and discernment. And if it's not disputable, then come with the word of God. And then pray for grace to overlook the things that just annoy you and then wisdom knowing what to address. And then follow the Spirit. And if you're talking to your brother or sister and you guys love each other and you both love the Lord, then there'll be a brokenness before the first words even said. The reason this is important is because we absolutely are called to unity. We are absolutely called to Christian community. We're absolutely called to be able to show the world what God looks like by the way that we are intertwined with one another. If you look in the scripture, and Jesus says last night when he was arrested, do you remember when he was praying to the point that he was sweating like blood drops? Have you ever read the prayer? You know, I'm sure there were some in there, at least if it was me, there'd be some like, uh... I'm going to spend about six hours on the, if there's any other way, part, but your will be done. And maybe five minutes praying for all these jokes to keep falling asleep when I ask them to pray for me. (laughs) But you look at the prayers of John, what is it? Keep us unified, God. Be with my followers who are about to be abandoned. They're about to mess up bitterly and they're going to feel shame and overwhelmed. Be with them, love them. Strengthen them so when they turn back that they can do this mission that you're doing. And then for all those who are still yet to come, bring unity in the body of Christ like you have unity between me and you. Satan goes for the judgment juggler just because he wants to break up and make end the division. If it's godly, 
he'll move. If it's not, people are just destroyed. I'm sorry if you've been judged unrightly. If you've been judged rightly, I pray you heed to the word of Jesus Christ and the love of a brother or sister. And if you're judging somebody else incorrectly, stop it. Just stop it. There's always room for us to grow. We're going to come together here into a time of communion with each other. We're going to celebrate that community that God calls us to. Dalton, if you would, you can go ahead and hit the lights, brother. But I just want to seal some of this on our hearts with with prayers. I want to just come to the Spirit. Mike, I'll bring you up if you don't mind, sir, and just get some guitar love from you. Hmm. Let's just go to the Lord together on this. Father, I know that you are mindful of us, that you are mindful of the mission of Jesus Christ through the Great Commission. I know that you have been very bold and very blunt that we have a purpose here, and that is to reach out to others who don't know you and to share you, again, with our words and our life, what you're all about. I'd be willing to bet some of us struggle in this area because there's people of different backgrounds, people of different cultures, people of different looks, people of different mannerisms that are so different than us that we are uncomfortable speaking to them, uncomfortable forming friendships with them. In essence, we are judging them unrightly. We pray for your vision in those relationships. We pray for your heart for others. In a life where we're called to do your work at the Great Commission, but also called to follow the two greatest commandments of loving you with all our heart, mind, and soul, and loving others as we love ourselves. Another you told us to love as you have loved us. There's just no place for division due to personal preferences. Break our hearts. Draw us close. Form new relationships and new opportunities as your spirit leads. Father, for those that are within the body, those who have accepted you as leader and forgiven their lives by acknowledging with the mouths that you are the Son of God, believing in the hearts that you died and rose again and turning our lives over to you, are all in the same boat now. With the same King, the same Master, the same Daddy, the same mission, the same heart. But it's just so easy to get sucked back into muck and mire of things that don't matter. Help us to shed those things today. Maybe we're sitting in this room and maybe we even have a problem with somebody else sitting inside this room. Man, let your spirit speak to that. Some of us, Father, we just need a gentle whisper, and some of us today, we need you to grab our arms and shake us like there's no tomorrow to get us away from that. Break our hearts. Some, Father, we might have stumbled in here, given it another shot because of maybe some of the things that happened in our past, and we don't want anything to do with church, we don't want anything to do with Christians, and we might even let Satan convince us that we can be Christians and we don't have to go to church. 
forget the Sunday morning gathering, though, but you've called us to the community. You've called us to be a family. You've called us to meet together regularly. You've called us to take communion together. You've called us to be joined together by every supporting ligament, to be able to bring our gifts and our talents and the things that you entrust to us to reach this world around us. We are not called to be islands. Give us a fresh hope. Tend to that hurt. Maybe we let relationships get damaged just because of personal preference things. Or maybe we realize today that we've been trying to remove specks out of other people's lives when we got a big old law guy going on in our own lives. Call it out. We bring it to you this morning. Your constant forgiveness, your constant grace, your constant mercy. Oh, we could be sitting here today knowing that you've been putting on our hearts to reach out to somebody else that we love that's making some dumb mistakes that have walked away from you in an area. Give us the courage. Give us the love and give us the word. And use us. It's about you, Jesus. It's about you. Bring us together in unity. Deliver us from the evil. Your will be done. In your name we pray. In your name we pray. Amen.